What's up, everybody? Episode 9 of the Will Wonder Pod. Hope everyone had a great week. All right, hold up. Hold up. Producer Kurt, stop. Stop the background music. We need to drop some bombs on them. Drop some more. I am very, very excited to announce the first official sponsor of the Will Wonder Pod. Drop a bomb. One more, one more, just to make it sweet. Okay, perfect. Shout out to Hepius. Uh, Hepius is your number one place to go for premium CBD products at a fraction of the cost. No THC, so no worries if uh, you get drug tested for your job or you know whatever else you may get drug tested for. It's locally sourced and third party tested. Uh, I personally like the number fourteen, which is the roll on freeze. Really good for those sore muscles and joints. So go check them out. Hepiusmed.com. That is H-E-P-I-U-S-M-E-D.com. And pretty soon we will have a code for you to use. Um, But check them out now. Hepiusmed.com. Once again, premium CBD products. Um, Really excited to get this launched now. Shout out to Dalton Jensen over at The Thinking Project podcast for reaching out and making this happen. Let's drop some more bombs. Once again, that is Hepius CBD products over at hepiusmed.com. All right, let's get back into it. Okay, off top, I want to give a happy birthday week shout out to my nephew Maddox. Um, I don't think he necessarily listens to this show, which is okay. There's probably some content in here that he shouldn't listen to. Uh, being that he's turning nine years old. Uh, but I did want to send happy birthday wishes to him. Uh, just a real sweet, you know, smart young man um, who has a, a very, very bright future. So Maddox, if you hear this, I hope you have a great B-Day week. All right, let's see what has happened since the last time we talked. The official trailer for Mortal Kombat came out, and I've talked talked about this before. Um, you know, growing up in the 90s, that video game was huge. So I, I'm very, very, very excited <laughs> for this movie to come out. And I would assume that a number of my listeners are as well. Um, let's see. Today, man, Bobby Shmurda uh, is released from prison. And, you know, I hope he comes back and, and makes a, a solid come back with some fire music. Uh, I know in 2014, his first single was played every single week in the clubs by myself and every other DJ out there. So crossing my fingers for some uh, new heat from him. Uh, man, and then also today, Tiger Woods in a, in a scary uh, car accident had to, uh, from the reports, they had to use the jaws of life to get him out. It's just a single car rollover was taken to the hospital for surgery. They're saying um, multiple moderate to critical leg injuries, um, which is very scary. And, you know, I'll I'll be 100% transparent and honest. I'm really not into golf by any means, but uh, being a fan of sports in general, it's always scary to see icons and and greats in their field uh, in any situation uh, like this. So uh, especially thinking about it just a little over a year after we lost Kobe. So hopefully all will be well with Tiger and he will make a recovery from that. Uh, music wise, man, it's been kind of slow, except like a beacon of light coming down from heaven. 
uh, funny enough, after the episode last week with my guy uh, Gabino Grimes, we had talked about a group called Lump Sum. One of the members' names is Joe Baca. Well, Joe Baca released some new music, and it's it's um, quite a bit different from anything that he has done in the past. It had been a very long time since he had put out any music, so it was great to hear him. I'll put the uh, link in the podcast information but um, he's not going by Joe Baca at this time. Um, and I actually hit Joe up and I haven't heard back from him as we're recording this pod. So um, I don't want to butcher his name by any means or the new name he's going by. So if you look up A-D-I-M-E-R-U uh, on Apple Music, the song is called 21. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful song, really well put together. Uh, again, nothing like he's ever put out before. He had debuted this actually on KRCL here in Salt Lake City, 90.9 FM with uh, Keith and Nate on the Friday night fallout show. So make sure you check that out. Again, I'll have the link in the podcast description. All right, let's get into some NBA talk. Uh, man, we had uh, a couple of historic performances last week, um, starting off with Joel Embiid. He went for 50 points, 15 rebounds, and 5 assists. Um, He's only the second player in 76ers history to do this. The only other player to do that uh, for the Sixers was Wilt Chamberlain, who actually did it four times. So Embiid is in some great company there with uh, historic big men. Um, Another crazy performance that ties into Wilt Chamberlain was Jamal Murray. He went for 50 points against the Cavs. He did not shoot a single free throw in the game. And he shot over 80% from the field, which is insane. That had only happened three other times in NBA history. And guess who? Wilt Chamberlain had done that all three times. So uh, pretty impressive. Murray hasn't been what uh, we thought he would be coming out of the playoffs last year in the bubble. But there's still a lot of time. So um, Denver's has a dangerous roster. I think, you know, if they get it together over there, they can be really, really scary on this playoff run, especially with my guy, Jokic. Um, Speaking of my guy, we're going to shift over to Orlando. Uh, Nikola Vucevic goes for 40 points, 16 boards, and 10 assists last week. He is single-handedly keeping Orlando afloat. Um, I guess out of the basement of the East, there's been so many injuries in Orlando this season. So, um, you know, it may be a sad couple of months coming up for me to add to a sad, the past, uh, sad couple of years, I guess you could say. Oh, well, uh, what else? Ooh, Anthony Edwards dunk. I mean, by now everyone's seen it, but, and there isn't anything really to add to it other than to say like, you know, he absolutely murdered that man from Toronto. And, uh, I don't know if they held a viewing or not. But, um, damn, that's forever going to be a poster and, um, will be replayed multiple times this year. So, uh, yeah, disgusting, disgusting dunk from Anthony Edward Edwards. You really hope that, uh, something special can come out of Minnesota. I mean, they just fired their coach, which is a whole other story, but, um, they have a lot of great young talent injuries have kind of riddled the team, but you would have to think here in the next couple of years, they would be decent, but Again, who knows? They haven't been very good in a very long time. Um, All right, moving on. Wizards are on a five-game winning streak, beating the Lakers last night in OT. Uh, I've talked about the Wizards before. The team's only going to go as far as Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook can take them. Uh, And honestly, to me, that's probably a 
at, you know, at max a first round exit from the playoffs, even though Bill and Westbrook, again, are playing out of their minds these past couple of games. Boston Celtics are really struggling. Um, and, and it's weird because they have two of the most talented young players in the league in Tatum and Brown, but they really need something else out there. Kemba just isn't doing it. Their bigs are are awful. You know, Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson, it just, they, they look like Thompson's a shell of himself. And then Daniel Tice was never really dependent on to be great, but he's getting put in situations where I don't think he can handle it. They're, they're both undersized as well. So you look at them going up against a team like Philly, you know, there's, there's probably no chance for them. Uh, who else? Who else? Ooh, the Jazz last week, uh, since we last talked anyways, lose to the Clippers to end their streak. They bounced back against the Hornets uh, last night. But, um, I mean, my take on the Jazz is I think they need one more solid rotation player. Uh, I don't think they necessarily need like a, a go-to number two offensively, but they need one more really strong rotation player. I don't think in the playoffs... Well, when you get into, you know, deep second round, you're in game six or game seven of that second round, you're going to, you're not going to win with Oni and Niang playing more than, you know, five minutes a piece. And I know I'll catch hell for that because Niang went seven for seven last night against the Charlotte Hornets from three. But, um, but listen, it's, I, I think it's, that's just what it is. That's my take. And I, I really think they need to add one more key piece. And don't look now, but the Brooklyn Nets are on a six-game winning streak. Um, They look really good. And, you know, they've been without KD. They've tightened up their defense. They're now second in the East, a half a game behind Philly. Uh, It's going to get scary for some of these other teams, especially I still think they're adding one more piece, whether that be Boogie Cousins or somehow, some way, the Cavs buyout Drummond uh, or even Kevin Love. One of those three players, I think, ends up in Brooklyn to kind of solidify the middle, and that's going to be scary for other teams. Um, All right, real quick, want to update my MVP ladder, and then we will get into the NBA All-Star Reserves. Um, Real quick on the MVP ladder, I still have Joel Embiid at number one, Jokic at number two, but everything else is kind of... um, been shaken up slightly so number three i have dame uh, lillard who preseason was my pick for mvp so hopefully he keeps on moving up that list number four i have lebron lakers have been on a skid i believe they've lost four out of their last five without ad um and the tough thing here is i think lebron needs a little bit of a break he's playing more minutes than uh you know he has in the past and he's 36 years old so uh, I mean, if anyone can do it, it's LeBron James, but uh, it's it's getting kind of iffy out there in Lakerland without AD. I still think they have him back by the playoffs. LeBron's good by the playoffs. Even if these guys are a fourth or fifth seed, they're probably getting at minimum to the Western Conference Finals. So uh, there's that. And number five, I have Luka Doncic. The, the Mavericks are looking a lot better. Luka continues to play great, and um, he rounds out my MVP ladder for this week. So let's go ahead and take a look at the NBA All-Star Reserves that were just recently announced. Let's go ahead and start with the East. So the Reserves for the East, we have James Harden, Julius Randle, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, 
Ben Simmons and Nikola Vucevic. Um, I don't really have any issues with this list. Uh, I went back and forth in my head, you know, between Zach Levine and Trey Young. I would have rather seen Trey Young, but Levine's having a great year, so you know, no worries about throwing him in there. Um, and then, of course, love to see my guy Nikola Vucevic again, who I said earlier in the pod was keeping Orlando afloat single-handedly. Uh, as we move to the West, this is where it'll get controversial, especially here in Utah. Uh, we have Chris Paul, Paul George, Dame Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Zion Williamson, and Anthony Davis. I know a lot of the talk here in Utah was that Mike Conley should be an all-star, not even necessarily here in Utah. You heard it nationally too. Um, but I don't think you put Mike Conley over any of those players. You know, he may still get in with Anthony Davis being injured and who knows what other players decide not to take part in the all-star game. I think the only other player that, um, you know, might have been considered or, or, or would be close to making that team would be Devin Booker. Uh, also, you know, Brandon Ingram, but, um, you probably can't have two Pelicans <laughs> on the all-star team and you're not not having Zion Williamson in there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who decides to play, who doesn't, what other players get in. But uh, I really don't have any beef with either list. Again, like I said, maybe Trey Young over Levine, but Levine's having a great season, so can't really knock that. One thing I did want to comment on um, was the starter situation. And, and uh, I really thought James Harden would get in as a starter over Kyrie Irving, but you know, it's all Brooklyn anyways. And, um, I think it's going to be a fun game. I, I hope that the core of the players end up staying and playing in the all-star game and, and not bypassing it, but you know, you got to do what's best for you, for your family, for your team. So we will see. Okay, coming up, I have a, a really fun interview with my buddy uh, and former featherweight champion, Jose Pepito Haro. Uh, we talk about how he got into boxing, his career, which had so many ups and downs and, and comebacks. It's, it's insane. Um, and then we talk about his life post-retirement, uh, which he recently retired uh, in September of last year. So, uh, I hope you guys enjoy this. I had a lot of fun. Jose's a, a really funny dude. Uh, I've known him, man, since 2001-ish, I believe it was. Um, maybe even before that, junior high school. So, anyways, uh, with no further ado, we will get into my interview with Jose Pepito Haro. Okay, my next guest is a former USBA featherweight champion. He's a husband, father of seven. Uh, all around good guy, bit of a shit talker at times, but uh, I'd like to uh, welcome my good friend, Jose Pepito Haro. Jose, how are you doing, my brother? I'm doing good, bro. Just, you know, living life, taking yeah. it day by day. Good, good, man. Um, I, I want to dive into a whole bunch of stuff about your life, your career. So uh, let, let's just get started here. Born in Yakima, Washington, uh, May 20th, 1987. Give me an idea of what uh, growing up in Yakima was like. Well, the part of Yakima where I grew up was, uh, well, I didn't know, uh, like, it was nice to me growing up because I was used to it. Right. But as I got older, I, I was realizing, I'm like, holy shit, like, this is pretty ghetto. <laughs> like, <laughs> seeing like, graffiti on, on some of the houses. 
uh, probably in every corner. Okay. Um, but it was, I was used to seeing that. So I thought I was normal, but as I got older and I moved out, moved out of Yakima. And when I came back to visit Yakima, um, we will take drives. And, I um, I noticed like the area that I grew up was a bad area, but then Yakima has the beautiful parts of, uh, the city. Right. Yeah, you never know what you're in until you get out of it and go back. <laughs> right. So, yeah. 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 It was, uh, but it was just like I love my hometown. Don't get me wrong. Like I love going back home, but I wouldn't want to like I wouldn't want to raise my kids over there. Yeah. But I'm sure now it's probably better. You know. Mm-hmm. But at that time when I was growing up and when I left. Uh, I I just knew that wasn't a place uh, to raise my kids. Right. So you you stay there until you are uh, nine years old, right? Your yeah. family family moves to Utah. Um, what part of you did, did you move straight to Magna at that point, or where were you? Where did you move to? Yes, sir, Magna boy. Yeah, uh, straight to Magna, man. Okay. Okay, and that that leads me to my next question here. Uh, at at twelve years old, your punk ass gets caught stealing some candy bars, <laughs> and oh, your pop your pops decides to uh, put you into into boxing, which, I mean, was a great move by him. But um, did, did your was your dad a boxer before that, or or what made him want to put you into boxing? So before I answer that, I just want to say when I got caught shoplifting, I was twelve years old, and I still. <laughs> That fucking cop was a dick for <laughs> giving me a ticket. Like, he could have just given me a warning, kind of scared me, and I never would have done it again. But that guy went, he gave me a ticket and all, and then got my dad involved. And as soon as I got home, I got my ass whooped. But, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but to question, bro. Um, yeah, so my, well, my dad used to fight, you know, backyard boxing, you know, fighting. Okay. Uh, his uncles used to, uh, make him fight with uh, kids in the, his neighborhood and they used to, you know, make bets. Mm. And my dad was always a boxing fan. He loved boxing. And then, but um, when I got, when I got, when I got caught shot lifting at 12 years old, my dad just felt like I was kind of heading the wrong path and, you know, getting myself into some, to some trouble. And yeah. so he decided me to, uh, put me in a boxing gym, but, um, he was, uh, actually my trainer. Okay. So it, it worked out. It was cool. Yeah. Um, thank that, you for my good. dad. It, it was, an, it was, uh, he put you in that to probably teach you some discipline and, and, you know, give you a, a different outlet other than, you know, going down the wrong path. So that's, that's good, man. That's really good. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing to keep, uh, to keep your kids busy. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. You got to keep them out of trouble and keep their mind on other things. So, you know, that I'm sure as a father of seven, (laughs) busy, 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 we'll, we'll get to that point in your life, but, uh, let's see. So, so your dad put you in boxing, um, from what I could find, you had over 115 amateur bouts, which just seems like insane to me, but I, I guess as an amateur, you're just trying to get as many fights as possible. Is that right? Or, or what's that amateur life like? Well, it just, I got a lot of my fights in tournaments. So, and, and boxing, um, uh, when, 
it's let's say there's it's a three day tournament or uh, if you go to nationals, it's a six 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 days tournament. Okay. So you know you want you win Monday, you fight Tuesday, and it goes on until you make it to the finals. But if you do lose, you you're eliminated. And uh, I was good enough to always win a few fights. Um, I always made it to the quarterfinals, semifinals, or um, uh, finals. Okay. That's uh. So when you're when you're in these in these tournaments, like how often are how often would these tournaments take place? Is it like once every three months, or are they just like happening all the time? It just it's like boxing's all year round, so it just depends. Like there was a tournament in, uh, I think Arizona. Mm-hmm. Or I think it was in like March or April. I can't remember. Maybe it was in the summer, and that was like a three-day tournament. Uh, there was one in uh, Washington. Uh, I forgot what it was called, but that was a a two-day tournament. Okay. And uh, there's uh, it's just everybody like uh, different states have different tournaments, but then you do have like the National Golden Gloves. That's mm. once a year. Then you have like the USA Nationals. That's once a year. But the catches. You have to fight. You have to win your state first. So depending on how big your state is, uh, how many people come in your weight class, uh, it can be a two-day or three-day tournament in your state. So you might be you might have to fight twice or three times. Mm. And with that, and then you can go to regionals, and that and it just depends on what region you uh, you're you're in. So and for uh, U.S. nationals, my region was four corners. Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, and Utah. Yeah, man, it, that's one of the hardest. I, I, I truly believe that's one of the hardest regions in the nation. And um, you beat some of those motherfuckers, man. You good? Like, yeah. you're good. You know why, why, I mean? why do you think that is? Why do you think it's so? Is it is it more that like I don't know? I have my own thoughts. Like maybe kids at that time or in the, in these states that there's not a lot of other distractions they can focus on things, but what do you think it is? Uh, I just think like Arizona, um, New Mexico, Colorado, those are like boxing States, you mm. know? Uh, and then in the Hispanic culture, you know, uh, we love boxing. Yeah. And like, as a Hispanic parent, you want your kids to fight, you know, they, they, you want to get them into a uh, boxing and there's just, like there's fights probably every weekend over there compared Mm. to Utah. like here in utah we probably we probably only have like one show once every three months or so you know if maybe we'll have a show in five months you know so that's the difference with with uh other states okay and and is this uh, when, when you're uh amateur and I'm I'm assuming you're, I mean, you try to go through these different ranks, but is there a, like a national um, company or national federation that keeps track of all these amateur fighters or is it split up? Like you said, into territories where, where it's just focused in those territories. No, they, they do. Um, so like they, so they'll have spots like at the USA Nationals, like they'll have like the top guy like ranked first, second, and third. Okay. And once you make it's the USA team. Gotcha. Once you make the USA team, you'll start traveling to other countries to compete. Okay. And well, it's like the Olympics, but 
they'll do it all year round. Yeah. And then uh, they'll have it for uh, second place and then third place. Like if, let's say, for example, uh, the number one ranked fighter couldn't go to the, uh, to an international tournament or whatever, uh, they'll just call the uh, guy in second place, ranked second. Mm. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. But that's how you, that's how you get, uh, more known by like these, uh, when you're ready to go pro, like that's when, uh, um, the big companies like top rank, golden boy promotions, um, PVC, they're like, they'll hear about you and they're like, they'll keep an eye on you. And then they'll try to make you an offer. Um, so when you go pro, you can sign with them. Okay. Well, let's, let's get into, so you, I mean, tons of, like I said, over 115 amateur bouts, but uh, August 20th, 2010, you turned pro. Um, walk me through just for a second. What, what is it? Uh, what are the steps you have to take to turn pro uh, as a boxer? So, so this is the thing like, um, so boxing, anybody can become a professional boxer. That's what you see a lot of mismatches. You know, okay. uh, I don't know if you ever seen like a, a boxing fight when a guy goes in there, he's throwing like bitch punches. Like, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> like, damn, bro, you can throw a straight punch and you're a professional fighter. It's because <laughs> I can ask my neighbor or the, um, a grocery employee can just become a professional fighter. All they got to do is pay the 30 or $40 fee and they become a professional boxer. The only difference is at what level you're competing at. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, if you keep fighting bumps, then you're not gonna. No one's ever gonna recognize you, or you're never gonna uh, get ranked um, higher. You know, yeah. you can be 20 but if you're fighting bums, like you're, you're never gonna get a shot. Does that make sense, bro? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That that's interesting. I I I didn't know what the steps or the processes were to become pro. I thought you know you had to have a certain number of amateur bouts or, or, or what have you. But that's, that's interesting to know that if you just pay the fees and you know, you can turn pro, but you're going to get your ass whooped. <laughs> yeah. And, <sighs> but I, like it's sometimes it's when you fight a bomb, it's uh they can maybe some, they make some of these boxes look bad. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm Probably just, catch like, them by surprise, really, yeah, you know? Yeah. Wild, and, you know, so I'm just, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's the dang part, man, because you fight a bum and you get knocked out by a bum, it, it just looks bad on you. It's a wrap, yeah. It's like, damn, bro, you've been fighting for how many years? And you and this guy, he was driving a cab last, last <laughs> night. Man, bro, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be awful. That would be awful. Uh, um. Man, so so like I said, it's August twentieth, twenty ten. Turn professional, have your first uh, professional fight, and you you win. Tell me, tell me what that fight was like for you. Uh, it was it was just a great feeling, man. Like just to know, like I'm a professional boxer. I was like, I'm a professional athlete. I've been doing this my whole life, and. It just, it was a great feeling, but once I got paid, I was like, this is some bullshit. <laughs> the check wasn't where you wanted it? <laughs> oh, no, bro. I got 200 bucks. Oh, man. I, I, I made more money off my ticket sales than, than the actual, my pay. 
the actual payday. Was that, was that because it was your first fight? Like I would assume as time went on, your checks got a little bit better, but. So like, I like to be real, bro. And yeah. and, And, um, this is the thing that this whole fucking, the more you win, the more you make it's, it's all fucking bullshit for boxing, for professional wow. boxing. Okay. So I feel like if you are signed with like, um, a big company, like yeah. top or like golden boy, um, I'm sure if you, the more you win, your purse should be bigger. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. If you're signed with a big company. Right. But, but this is the thing though. These contracts, like, they're just fucked up, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I can fight. I can fight. My next fight, I can make 20 grand. And then my next fight, I will, I will only take home, like, fight for, like, 10 grand. Yeah. Interesting. Probably has a lot to do with the sponsorships and, and stuff like that. But like you said, if it's not a, you're not, like, with Top Rank or Golden Boy or these other ones, it's probably hard to make um, a consistent living off of boxing, right? Like you yourself, you had a, a, a regular day job. Well, yeah. Like, cause when I kept, well, I kept fighting and, and I, and I like asking people like, like, like if I'm going to do something, I like asking, uh, people that are, that have done it, you yeah. know, like if our business, I'm going to ask my friends that have businesses. Yeah. I'm going to ask for some advice. So like when I was about to go pro, I was asking, um, some of my buddies that were professional boxers and, and, and most of them will tell me, Oh, you know, I only got paid this much. And, and, uh, th- this was my highest purse. And I'm like, what? You, this guy had a big name and that's how much he got paid. Mm. I'm like, you got paid 4,000 for, for 10 rounds. Like what the fuck? Jeez. But, yeah, Cause you're, you're, if you think about the amount of time that you're actually putting into it, um, you know, training and leading up to those fights, like, that's yeah that's that's not enough yeah and and then but i'm i'm so good at what i do and i believe in my ability i was like that's not going to be me because i know i'm yeah. gonna make because i'm just i was in the junior uh junior uh usa olympic team mm-hmm. and i had so many uh amateur fights i had international fights and in amateur so i was like i know i'm gonna tear this shit up in the pros and um it's just, and it was hard too. Like, if you're a good fighter, it's hard for you to get fights. Yeah. Outside, out, like, it's just tough because when you have a good amateur background, people are going to remember you. So when you go pro, people will recognize your name and, and be like, oh, sh- I remember that guy. You know, like, that guy was good. Like, I don't know if I want to fight him because he's going to give me a tough fight. Yeah, and they're trying to protect their career and, and legacy. Yeah, exactly. And 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 now with boxing, um, everyone's too worried of losing. Like they everyone like they rather fight straight bums than than uh, um, go out there and actually like compete. You know, like yep. I'm a true believer. Like, well, when I fight, if I fight somebody that it's not that good, I'm not going to fight at my best. If I fight somebody very good. I'm going to find my best. Like they, they'll, they'll bring the best out of me. Yeah. No, that makes sense. You're kind of playing down your competition, I guess, or playing to your competition, not necessarily always down, but yeah, that, 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 uh, that makes sense. <clears throat> um, 
So after your, your first fight, uh, from there, you would, you would reel off seven victories in a row. Um, then we come to June 14th, 2014, you head out to New Jersey, uh, to fight in a Bob Arum and, and top rank promoted fight and lose to a, a dude, uh, Toka Khan Clary in a decision. At that point, you guys were both undefeated. You were eight. No, he was 11 and no. Um, and I remember I was so pissed. I couldn't find, I I remember following this fight on Twitter. Some dude that was at the fight was live tweeting about the different matches. And he was giving you tons of praise about how you came in and did your thing. Um, but, uh, with that being your first loss, um, how hard was, how hard was that, that being that first loss of your career? To be honest with you, bro, like, when I went out that, cause I, I got, um, they offered me that fight a week on a week notice and I, wow. and I, was, I wasn't training. Um, I wasn't training. I haven't, yeah, I haven't fought for a whole year. So, and I was getting kind of discouraged. So when I took the fight, I took it more of, I was just desperate. I'm like, I wanted to fight. And, um, also they were offering me some money that I'm like, that was like 10 times what I was making here in Utah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so, um, but when I took, I mean, when I went out there mentally, bro, it sucks to say this, but I, I went out there like, I, I, I wasn't thinking like I normally think like when I go into a fight, I'm like, I'm going to go in there, you know, win and, and do mm-hmm. my thing. But mentally with this fight, I'm like, fuck, I'm out of shape. I'm like, Oh my God, man. I'm, I better, I better survive six rounds. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, on a week's notice, how are you, how are you supposed to get ready in a week? Like that's impossible. So, and then I had to lose 13 pounds, 13 or 15 pounds. Wow. In a week. So like mentally I was in there and then right before I left, well, like when I signed the contract, my wife was pissed off. Uh, you said it was like, you're such a dumbass. Oh, you take this fight. You're not even in shape. <laughs> and we're about to have a fourth baby, our first, uh, first baby boy. And like, and if you're, if you don't make it, to, if, if, if I have our son and you're not here, I will never forgive you. Oh for, no. And I'm like, Oh man. I'm like, I've been, wait, I, I I already had my three girls and I'm like, I finally get my son. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> so anyways, so my mind wasn't really there when I went out there, but once that bell rings, bro, it's fucking, it's, it's showtime. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah. um, I told them I wanted a rematch, but I never got my rematch. And, uh, cause I felt like if I would have got a fair shake at this fight, it would have, you know what I mean? I, I, yeah. I know I would have beat him. I still lost a close uh, fight. It wasn't like he fucking beat, whooped my ass. Yeah, that's that's everything that I had read. I wish I could remember the dude's name that was live, live tweeting from the fight. But everything he said was like, "This is a." It was crazy how close the fight was, especially on such short notice. You having to get prepared. So, um, I'd have to go back and look at what that dude's name was. But he he showed you nothing but love, and um, we I know we were all following it here in Utah, just as we could on Twitter. <laughs> you know, I think I had reached actually reached out. Uh, I don't remember who I had talked to. Did your brother go out there with you? Did Eric go out there? No. So at that time, I wasn't, I, I barely, because I asked my brother, I think it was uh, late uh, 2014. I was like, hey, bro, like, um, you should just come home Mets for me. I'm like, you're just being a bum uh, at home. <laughs> just, 
going to work and you're sitting on the couch. I'm like, you should come uh, hold up uh, Mets for me and um, start coming to the gym with me. And um, but after the after the after the con fight, that's when we really started holding Mets. He started holding Mets for me. Okay. Okay. But, cool. I love Eric, by the way, man. That that yeah, dude is um. He's one of the realest guys I know and just so genuine and down. Like he he already knows. We talk probably five times a day on Instagram about random shit, but I love that dude. <laughs> he's full of shit, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but he you know he's uh he just like uh, and plus he's my brother, so I wanted to bring bring him on my team because plus yeah. he's funny as fuck. And, oh yeah. Uh, but um I'm like, Eric, I know when you're bullshitting me, bro, because I'm a bullshitter. Yeah, you exactly. Bullshit, you guys, are, you, you guys have the same personality. It's just sometimes you don't know if you're telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't say, hey, bro, but the thing is that I don't lie. I bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I've, you've never <laughs> lied to me. You just, I, I, sometimes I'm like, I have to look at you for a few minutes to know if you're messing with me or not. But, uh, <laughs> But absolutely. Okay. So he, he starts uh, training you in 2014 after this fight. Um, following that loss, about three months later, I think it was, you fight again. Uh, you have a draw with, uh, I think, uh, Jorge Diaz, who was 18 and three at the time. So pretty good record. Um, to me, I don't know, three months seems like a fairly quick turnaround to have another fight. Um, but what what's going through your head at this point after after a loss and then a draw? What what are you thinking as far as your boxing careers uh, goes? Because before that, man, you're eight and zero. You know. Yeah. Well, I think with me, uh, when I took that con fight, like, and like I, it it sucks thinking like this, but I'm like, worst case scenario, I lose this fight, I'll have a loss on my record. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna get I'm gonna get uh, more fights offered to me because right. I was. I wasn't getting no fights offered, and the only fights that were uh, I was being offered were like a two day notice, a one day. And this is how boxing works, bro. When uh, when they're working with these prospects and mm-hmm. they're building these guys, um, they're you know they're 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 building them up. This is how they get fighters. Um, they'll be like, "Hey, I got this fight for you, Doug. Um, uh, for a hundred, uh, the way a hundred, let's say one hundred seventy five light mm-hmm. heavyweight." Um, we'll pay you 10 grand mm. uh, and you'll be like ah, in three days <laughs> in three uh, days I'm, I, i'd be like i gotta drop 40 pounds in three days no <laughs> this way you'll stay you'll come back with i can't like 10 grand yeah i can't i can't get the time off work um okay well, how about fifteen thousand? Mm. and they'll be and you'll be like uh, I don't think I can, man, because I'm like, I, I can't lose 20 pounds in three days. So that's, 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 I can't do that. Or I can't lose 10 pounds or whatever. Yeah. All right. We'll give you 17. Oh, mm. you know, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> okay. I just won't eat for the next in, couple of days. Keep in mind that you have, probably have a good record. Your, your record's probably like 10 wins, two, two losses. But the guy that you're fighting is a prospect. He's probably like, Eight and zero or fifteen and zero, so they're building him. So if he beats you, it looks good on his resume because you had a good record. And then they look at your resume and you beat some good, a good opponent. So, and 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 sad, but that's how it kind of works, you know. That's how they get certain fighters that have to work, but they still, you know what I mean. That's interesting. That's um, it's it's kind of sketchy in a way, but. 
I mean, you, you oh, as, as a, it. as a fighter, you can't not take an opportunity too. you know, especially like how you had that fight against Clary. That's, that's a top rank promoted fight. Like, why wouldn't you take it? <clears throat> so. And yeah. that's, and plus like that fight, they're going to tell it was going to be televised. Mm -hmm. um, but at that time, the world cup was going on. So they, they showed the world cup, one of the games instead of our fight. Mm. Man. But, Jeez. Okay. So, all right. So, um, after the, uh, the draw, um, you reel off, I believe it was three wins in a row, all by unanimous decision. So at this point, I'm assuming, you know, you feel like, you know, you feel great. You feel like you're getting back into the swing of things. Um, again, you know, that, that loss, you had a week to get ready. So not really like you weren't in the swing of things prior to that, but it's just, it is what it is, as you like to say. <laughs> um, and then, and then, you know, uh, we'll only touch on this for a second, but, uh, October 14th, 2015, I, I'm like, I know you won't ever forget this date. And I, I won't forget the day after this. Uh, and, I, and I'll explain here in a minute, but you know, you're, uh, you're getting off of your regular day job and you're getting, you know, harassed by this guy inside of a Walmart and, um, comes out to the, to the, uh, uh, parking lot and you end up getting shot twice in the foot. Uh, I think from the report that I read, it was six shots that went off total, but, um, I know, you know, that, that honestly must've been scarier than any fight that you've ever really been in. Um, and then, like I said, on a personal note, I know the whole community was scared and worried for you and your family. Uh, I had got the call the next day. I think it was the next day um, while I was at work um, from Chacon. And he had told me, you know, you saw what happened on the news. Well, it was Jose. And I was like, what? Like, it didn't even make sense. It didn't register because you're not the kind of person who's going to um, start shit with someone outside of any type of boxing fight. And even when you're boxing somebody, you respect them. So I, it just didn't make sense to me. And I don't want to really get into the details of that day because I honestly don't want to give that person who committed the crime any more time than what I've already given them right now. Um, but what I want to talk about is your mindset when you're in the hospital. So at this time, I think you're a father of four. Is that correct? Four kids. Yeah. And, you know, you got to be thinking, number one, obviously you're thinking about your family and how you can provide for them, you know, but. I'm, I'm sure boxing falls two, three or four after that, but walk me through your mindset while you're in the hospital. I was just mostly angry, bro. To be honest with you, I was just mad at the world for the longest time. Yeah. I was just shocked. I was like, like, how in the fuck can this happen to me? Like I work like, you know, like, I mean, like, like I do everything by the book. Like, you know, I work, I take care of my family. I'm respectful to, to, um, to everybody that I meet. Um, yeah. and some low life to come do this to me. It, I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I was just mad. And I was, I was scared just for the fact that knowing that I'm like, what if I can't walk? How am I going to provide for my kids? You know? Yeah. And yeah, because it was both both feet shot once in in each foot. For those who aren't uh, familiar with that, so yeah, yeah. So like, and then so people, uh, a lot of people think that uh, that guy shot he sh he shot my feet on purpose. I'm like, no, that that motherfucker shot at me six times 
I yeah. I ran and got shot in each foot. It's just crazy how it happened, but um yeah, that's scary, man. I know, I mean, uh I I still remember like reaching out to Yesenia on I think it was probably Facebook Messenger at the time saying I know you're going through a lot of things, but if you guys need anything, like you know we're all here whatever it is, like you guys need food. And I know you guys have a a a, a big family too, you know, your brothers, your sisters, all of that, but we just, uh, the whole community felt it when that happened because it made no fucking sense. Like if you were someone who was out there and acting crazy all the time and tried to get into scuffles and fights and different things, then I would say like, okay, I, I don't get it. I never get shooting somebody. Don't get me wrong there. But the way you are as a person, it just made zero sense. So we were all, uh, you know, really scared and, and worried for you. Um, but you know what I mean? You, you came out of it. You're a, you're a fighter to the core. I want to know, um, what your rehab was like. So after you're, you know, out of the wheelchair off the crutches, what is rehab like for you? Cause I mean, first off, let's just say this beyond, um, uh, your wife being a saint. I just know that from knowing the bullshitter that you are and what she has to <laughs> deal with on a daily basis. Um, but getting back on your feet, you know, after all of this, what, what is that like getting back into and in, in getting into the rehab mode and, and, and ultimately deciding to go back and box again? Oh, uh, bro. Like after the, like the first two weeks were rough. Cause I was at home. I couldn't walk. I was on the wheelchair. Um, there was a few times I cried. I felt like I was kind of depressed, but after that I was like, man, you know what? You better fucking suck suck this shit up because when I because <laughs> when I was at the hospital, man, I was I seen people there were like the they had a cast like the whole body wasn't a cast right and then I seen people like missing you know their legs missing uh, one arm or and um, I just seen a lot of stuff when I was at the hospital and I was like yeah what happened to me is it, it's kind of fucked up but. I know I can get through it. I know there's someone out there that has it worse. And um, um, I just got to, you know, keep thinking positive. And, and, and I just visualized myself. I was going to get through it. And, and that's what really, I felt like that's what really, well, my kids too, like that's what really helped me like speed the process. Yeah. You're not um, doing it just for yourself. You're doing it for them. Yeah, and I just wanted to show my kids, um, like, life's not fair, and certain things might happen, um, but just don't give up. Yeah. And, um, and if you really want to, just you, you have to go get it. And I, I told my little ass, I'm like, man, Jose, you better fucking start walking soon, man, because you got these little ones, you know, looking up to you. And obviously, I wasn't going to do nothing stupid. I, I did my rehab and. Um, I did what I, what I had to do. Yeah. And, um, I remember that the, the, um, the doctor was telling me you shouldn't be, uh, running, but I, I kind of, I feel like sometimes, yes, dogs are telling you the best, the best advice, but I feel like sometimes you just got to listen to your body. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like, man, I remember I was walking with the limp for like, for a while and i remember when i was running i, I kept running with the lamp 
I kept pushing myself. Uh, uh, I just kept pushing myself. And I remember one time I asked my brother, Eric, I was like, Hey bro, um, I'm going to go for a jog. And, um, he came with me and then he was like, damn, bro, you're, you're walking normal already. I'm like, what? And I, I didn't <laughs> notice cause I wasn't walking with the limp anymore. Yeah. But I don't know, yeah. bro. Like I just, all I, I kept thinking, um, I mean, I visualized myself walking and getting back into the ringing. And I mean, first I, I just, I just visualized getting, going back to work and providing for my family. And then I see myself in, inside that ring and, and yeah. doing what I love. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. It's a, it's a, it's, um, the story's nuts. And, um, the fact that you were able to rehab and, and come back. Um, and I, your first fight was your first fight back was here in Utah. And, uh, let's see here, May 29th, 2015. It was, uh, against, uh, Efren Esquivez, uh, who was 17, three and one. So it's not like you're going up against like, as you would say, some bum, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, man, I tell you what, I, I was, I was there with my wife who's at the time was my girlfriend and, um, bro, the, it was just, it was a different feeling in that whole building. Like there was just, it was electricity and, uh, from a, from a friend and, and a fan's perspective, it was just insane. So. Um, I want to know how you were feeling right before that fight. Like, you know, you're getting ready to come out and you're going to have this fight, your first fight back after rehabbing these feet, you know, being shot in both feet. What, what was, what was that like for you? Well, it just felt like a dream. Like I felt like I was just floating in the air. Cause, um, and I just want to say, I'm very thankful for everyone that has always supported me and shown me love. And then I also want to say thanks to all the people that, that, that helped out when I was shot. Yeah. Um, but, um, um, but that day, it just, it was just, it's a, I don't know. I don't know how to, how to describe this feeling, but it's, it's, it means a lot. Like, for someone to spend $25, $30, $50 on a ticket to come see me, mm-hmm. you know, and to show me love. And then just to go out there and and just to just to perform and and it's just a great feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a great fight. It was fun to be there. And like I said, you could just feel it. Like there was people I hadn't seen in probably eight or nine years that were there. And we were all just like, it was like we were one, just like. You know, we had nothing against Ephraim Esquivez, but we were like, beat that motherfucker's ass. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Um, crazy. But so, okay. So, man, after the fight, um, you proposed to your wife in the middle of the ring. And, and um, I'll be damned if I didn't know that you were already married at the time. My wife had asked me. Um, isn't he, I thought they were already married. I said, I, I thought they were too. I feel like I know him, but so you proposed to your wife after the fight was, which was just like a perfect, like end to that whole night. And then obviously after that, you took pictures with the fans. So, uh, that was a lot of fun. And I, I was, I mean, you know, we were all very proud of you just as a, as a fighter, as a man, everything. So I, I know I had probably told you that that night, cause I had a couple of beers in me, but just wanted to reiterate that now. <laughs> Yeah, I remember you kissed me in the forehead. I'm like, come, uh, on, get a, a, come here, Mijo. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
cliche. You make the goat smaller ready. God damn. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So after that, two more uh, wins in 2015. Then you have two wins in 2016. Um, then you have the fight against Daniel Franco. Um, and that was for the vacant uh, USBA featherweight title. And that was on June 10th, 2017. I remember watching it on TV. Uh, you were in Iowa. Man, intense fight. Um, you end up winning uh, by knockout. And after that fight, um, Daniel Franco put into a medically induced coma and um, needed surgery to stop two brain bleeds. And that was, uh, that was crazy. A after that fight, I remember seeing a picture of the two of you talking in the ring, you know, both sitting on um, the stools. If I remember right, there are people, you know, trainers around you and you guys are just talking. Um, but tell me what your, your thoughts were after that fight. It's, it's the biggest, I, I would assume the biggest fight of your career and you end up winning, but on the other side of the coin, you know, I, I feel like, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but boxing is probably a little bit of a brotherhood and you see what's going on with Franco. What are you, what are you thinking after this fight? How are you feeling? Well, it's just, you know, I'm, the sport's vicious, bro. Like, you know, like I'm going in, I'm trying to knock his ass out. Like he's trying to knock me out. You know what yep. I mean? We're really trying to hurt each other, but we're never you never want to hurt somebody to, to that, to that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just, I, I guess it's a human thing. Like, like I was happy that I won, but at the same time, it just, it, I felt bad. Cause I'm like, you know, he folded, you know, uh, kind yeah. of bad. And, um, I don't know, bro. Like, I just remember telling him, I, I hope he recovers. I hope he, he uh, he's okay. And, um, and I just said, Hey, thanks for, uh, uh, for taking this fight with me. Um, and that was pretty much it. And then that was it. I was just happy, bro. I was fucking one of the biggest fight of my career. Yeah. I'm on TV. Um, I'm like, I just, I want to go home. I want to, I want to go see my peeps, all yeah. my people back in, you know, in Salt Lake. And, I just want to celebrate, you know, like, fuck, it was a hard training camp. And then I get that phone call the next day and I'm like, man, this is some bullshit. <laughs> you know, like, like at that time, like I felt so bad, but then after like the third day, it was just like, like, I felt like my victory was taken away. Yeah. Cause well, that's, the that's the thing. Like it, 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 it shouldn't, obviously have but you know media and, and different people will try to turn things differently um and and you like you said you had no intention of hurting him that badly you guys go in there you're trying to win the fight and um i just know like i just know you and knew it had to sit a little awkwardly with you you know what i mean like um that it was that bad for him but at the same time like you said it's your it's your biggest fight on a national stage i think he was a rock nation um, yep. boxer. So it's big. It's a, it's a big, uh, a big deal. And, um, I mean, we were all proud of you. I remember watching that, uh, at my in-laws house and my in-laws at the time I had told them about you, but they didn't really know you, but they were fucking jumping up. Come on, come on. You would have thought that they, that you were their, you know, other son or something, but, uh, it was, um, it was great, man. And we were all very, very proud of you. Um, after that fight, I mean, you got to be on top of the world. 
you know, minus all the bullshit calls that you're getting from, from people trying to ask questions like I'm doing right now, <laughs> but, um, oh, no, no, it's all good. but, but after that you have, um, uh, one fight in three years. Um, wh- why do you think you weren't getting more fights? Was it something to do with, like, I don't know how agents work or was it something where fighters were scared to fight you in a sense? So, um, before I, I, I answer that, bro, um, so a lot of people don't know this, but when I got shot in, uh, what was it? October of 2015, yep. literally a year later to the October of 2016, I ended up breaking my uh, left foot. Oh my God. I had forgotten my, about that. Yep. Yeah. My bone snapped because of the shooting. So I had, I had to get surgery, surgery again. And, um, I was out, I think like three, four months. And that's when I get that phone call uh, to fight Franco. Mm-hmm. And you know, fighters like myself, like I don't be I don't believe in tune-ups, but you'll hear a lot of like top fighters like, oh, I need a tune-up fight. Right. And it would have been nice because I'm like, fuck, I just had another surgery. I want to see how my feet, like how, how I react. Cause and sparring is different than fighting. Like, you know, like you can look good in sparring, but when you fight, you know, like it's and to some people it doesn't click, so they don't perform. Okay. Yeah. But I I wanted to see like, well, like I can move in sparring, but what if I start overthinking like uh my uh the pain in my left foot or mm. my right, you know? But anyways, I got I got off of that fight with Franco and I just I said yes right away. I was like, hell yeah, let's let's do it. Yeah. And and um you know, once I win that fight to find out he was in a coma, it was heartbreaking, it sucked. And then I get this phone call, like after the Franco fight, bro, I was, man, I was, you know, obviously hot. I was like, hell yeah. It's like, it's, it's about time. Like pay me like, hell right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing this for a long time. My kids, my wife's seen my struggles. She's seen this roller coaster. She sees me when I go run. She sees all those push-ups, sit-ups, all those hits to the head I'm taking during like, so this is a thing uh, with the training camp. People, I feel like that's when people, that's when the damage starts mm. during sparring because those are actually like real fights. That's one thing I was going to ask. How, how intense are sparring sessions compared to the actual fights? So it, it's just like, let's say you come to my gym, you want to spar me. You don't know me. I don't know you. We're going to go at it, bro. We're going chance, you know, yeah. Yeah. like you hit me hard. I'm like, Oh fuck. No, I'm trying to get you back. <laughs> but, but it's going to go like that. That's how it is. And, um, but when you have the same sparring partners that you spar, yeah, you guys are going to go hard, but you know when to go hard and when to kind of like, you know, take it easy. Okay. Okay. That makes but sense. But when you have other, when you go to other people's jams or like, um, or someone comes to your jam and, and, and yeah, well, those are like real dog fights. And I truly believe that's where uh, people start getting, that's when the damage really starts. Right. Right. I mean, you hear so much about different injury, head injuries, and it, it makes sense with if you're sparring that much up to a, you know, leading up to a fight, then yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Cause when I fought Frank, bro, I was going 10, I had, uh, I trained for 10 fight. That was a 10 round fight. I was sparring, fuck, bro, three times a week. Wow. 10 rounds each for like, yeah, bro. Like, I think I, I think it was a two month camp for that fight. Wow. Yeah, that that's uh, that's in 
That's very intense. <laughs> and then just running and it, oh, and then just losing weight. Oh man, it just it's a it's a tough it, it's a tough profession. That's for damn sure. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, so so like I said, you have that that fight in February 2020, um, and then um, we get into September 12th, 2020, and you officially you know announce your retirement. Um, and I, I have ideas of, of what went into that decision, but, but could you just let us know, you know, what was your, what was your thought press process going into saying, you know what, I'm going to step away from boxing for good as, as far as a, as a fighter. Well, to be honest with you, well, I got offered this fight to fight this guy. Um, uh, he was, I think from the, if he was from the Philippines and, uh, uh, when I got off of the fight, I said yes because I just believe in my ability, and 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 I every fight that I took, um, I felt like I uh, I was going to win the fight. You know, mm-hmm. the only one that I had doubts was obviously the 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 con fight because I was definitely not in shape. Yeah. Um. Um. I was so I was getting ready for that fight, bro, and then I ended up getting COVID. And uh, jeez, I didn't want anything. I was like, I'm just in the world of the storm and suck it up. Uh, because I want to fight, like, this is another opportunity, you know, like, uh, like I want to shine, like, like, like as a fighter, bro, you we have this goal, like, we have this uh, hope. I mean, that we're gonna land that big money fight, yeah. Reality is that that day's never gonna come, right? But, Anyways, I still had hope, and um, I ended up getting COVID, and I I got it pretty bad for a week, and after, like, the second week, I, I felt pretty good, but I, to this day, bro, and it's been since July, I still have a stuffy nose from it that won't go away. Jeez. Which is fucking crazy, but I was still training, like, because I have my own gym inside my house. Yeah. And I was still training, running, and mentally, I was trying to be strong, because I was getting ready for this fight. And then I remember my 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 oldest daughter, uh, Ebony, she she talked to me and she was like, she's like, she was kind of like came, she gave me kind of like attitude. She was like, I don't understand why you gotta fight that. You have nothing to prove anymore. Like mm. been so many times, like, what do you what do you have to prove? But like my what my daughter doesn't understand is that I was just trying to make some money, like, like, well, I like. I'm fighting because I love to fight. That's yeah. something to me. But I wanted to make money so I can get my rent. <laughs> that's my, <laughs> that's my, my ultimate goal. Like, I want some acres, you know? Like, yeah. And um, kind of get my kids a head start, too. Like, you know, stay more, save some money. and Oh, sure, yeah. Just get my head start in this, in this life. But so she talked to me, and she just told me she didn't want to fight because she, she was worried. Well, her and my other daughter, Allie, they said, like, what if the Franco situation happens to me? What if I fight, go fight, and never come home? Yeah. And they, and they never have talked to me about it, bro. And they, they have never even knew about, like, I thought they, never, they, they didn't even know about the Franco situation. But how, how old are your two oldest? So 13 and 11. But okay. Wow. The, obviously, YouTube, you know, like. Right. Uh, the internet and. uh. <laughs> 
it's just and then i just remember my my like my my three girls ebony ally nugget they were like they just told me they didn't want me to fight and so i didn't say anything and so i talked to my wife the next day to yesenia and yesenia was like i i known about this babe i just didn't want to tell you because um i don't want you to stress you out before you fight mm-hmm. and and I know you're in camp right now and I know you have a big fight. And and she also told me, she's like, I will always be your number one fan now and, and I will always support you. But I think it's time, babe. Yeah. She's like, because she just got done with nursing school and obviously she's been learning a lot about the head too. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, babe, like we have seven kids. What if, like, what if, like, I'll be mad at you if you leave me here with seven kids. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, fuck, babe, I'll be dead. Like, you can't be mad. <laughs> but, so, like, that that kind of stuff, like, I, I was going, I was running up in the mountains. Because um, I was, you know, when I train, bro, like, I, I train. Like, like I won't drink no soda. And I, like, I, yeah. I'm about my shit, you know. And uh, when I was running up there, that's all I kept thinking for two weeks. Man. And then, and then, and then I just talked to, uh, I talked to uh, my manager and I just told him straight up. I was like, look, man, once I beat this guy, am I going to get a world title shot? He said, that's the plan, but there's no guarantees. And I was like, you know what? I, I really don't care about no titles. Am I going to get paid more in my next fight? That's all I give. That's honestly, bro, that's all I give a fuck about. Right. Like, I care about titles. I want, I want to pay me. Like, uh, I got a family to feed. And then uh, he said, that's the plan, but there's no guarantees. And that's when I kind of made up my mind. I'm like, all the signs are there. I I, I think it's it's time for me just to to say fuck you. I had a great career. Um, you know, I love I love boxing, but I love my family more. Yeah. No, that that <clears throat> I mean, that all makes sense. You can't uh, you know, seven kids, you can't be um Oh, and this one was my biggest purse to date, bro. The 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 one that you would have fought, but prior. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, so, but they would have. I would have got paid twenty grand, but mm. you're not walking away with twenty grand. Right. 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 P- people forget you still gotta pay Uncle Sam. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and everything you do. Yeah. Forget yeah, about that. You gotta pay your uh, your um, your trainer ten percent. Mm. You gotta pay your what whatever you agree on with your manager. It can be thirty three percent. 20%, 25%, 40%. It just depends on whatever you have on the contract with the manager. That's how much you're, they're going to, you know, they're going to take off the purse. And, um, and, uh, so yeah, bro. I mean, man, I got back and I just kind of talked to my wife and went on a day and just kind of talked and, and I just kind of sat back, bro. And I said, you know what? I had a great career. Like every fight they, they, that I got off her, I said yes. I not never said no to no fight. Yeah, you. Uh, I mean, it was all. It was. It was fun being a fan of yours, obviously, because uh, you know I I had known you so long since you know junior high school. But um, that was one thing that I always respected about you. Like with that fight where you had a week to get ready, you're like, "Yep, let's do it." Like you didn't turn away anything, you know. So that that's a, a very commendable trait in a boxer because like you said, some of these guys, they 
first they want to tune up fight and then they might not fight the person that they should be fighting. You know, we, we saw that for years on a much larger scale with Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. And then we got it way too late. (laughs) You know what I mean? So yeah, you as a, you, you know, you, you retired at a very, very respectable 15, one and one had eight KOs. So there's nothing, um, nothing to be ashamed of or look back at and say, damn, I wish I would have done this. I think you, you did a great job, um, from an outsider's perspective for sure. So, I mean, tell me what your plans are now. I, I, I see you on Instagram running around, um, you know, your daughter's soccer team on, uh, helping out with that. Um, so I know a majority of your time, you know, it goes to your family. Um, are you entertaining any type of thoughts of training fighters or are you just stepping away totally from the game? Oh, bro. I forgot to tell you too. Like when I was getting ready for this fight, so it was Yesenia's last semester of nursing school. Oh, and there was so one. She's not stressed at all. There was one big argument. She's like, she's like, she's like, fucking Pepito, you took this fight at the worst time possible again <laughs> he's like this is my last semester and you're gonna take this fight and i have to deal with dirt bad attitude because i'm cutting weight you know what i mean so yeah like, you're cranky stuff. yeah well so i'm like i'm in camp and I, I, you gotta take the kids to soccer and i'm like babe can you take the kids today like i gotta go <laughs> spar or i gotta do this and she's like i it's not like i have like 10 hours of homework but okay so <laughs> it, it was just, it was just like there was so, so much shit going on and I'm like, there's no guarantees for me. Like, yeah, I already said, I already said this, bro. Your wife is a saint and it goes beyond just dealing with your ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I was just like, fuck, I got to get my wife through school, man. Like I, I want her to graduate. Um, once that's done, maybe I can, you know, come back for boxing, uh, give it one more last run. Yeah. But like right now, like my girls are in competitive soccer. And, um, and I'm like, Ooh, I'm feeling good. I want to start training again. Yeah. And my, my girls right away, dad, <laughs> stop it. No, it's like, Mija, it's just, you guys don't get it. Like, <laughs> like my kids don't understand. I don't think they know how good their dad is, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I'm well, like, and how, how big of a, how big of a part of your life that was, I mean, you, yeah, you, no, you fought for more I, than half of your life. <laughs> and I, I tell him, I'm like, how old are you, Mia? She's like, well, I'm 13. I'm like, I've been doing, doing this since I was 12. I'm a fighter. Like, this is what I do. Like, I love this shit. Yeah. And, and she's like, and I care why? I'm like, <laughs> because I'm telling you, I want to get one more, one more last go. And she's like, and she just, I don't know. I love my family, bro. And then, I just want to want, like, I think as a boxer's biggest fear, you don't want to get caught, bro, and just wake up and be like, what What happened? Right. You know, and you're like, you just got caught. And I wouldn't want my kids to see that either now that I'm older. Like, before, bro, even when when, my, when I had three three kids, they were all little. So, like, I still, like, at that time, my mentality was still kind of, I think, different. I was yeah. more like, fuck it. If I die in there, I'm going to die. But. I'm going to go out there with the bang. Now I'm just like, fuck that. Like I always told my, so I always told my coach, well, I was told Eric or if Eric couldn't make it to my fight, I would tell one of uh, the coach, like one of the coaches from California, his name was Al. I was like, Hey Al or Eric, 
if you see me get caught with one punch, bro, and if I'm not responding and I'm getting caught with unnecessary punches, stop the fight. Immediately yeah. stop it. If if I get mad at you when if you stop the fight, fucking like I'm, I apologize, but stop the fight because I got to come back home to my family. Oh, the same yeah. man left that house needs to come back, you know, to mm-hmm. to his. And um, or if 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 let's say I'm losing a, a round bad, and they my cornerman they need to ask me if I want to continue. I'm like, if that's going through your mind, if you're asking me that, just stop the fight. Just end it. Yeah, because if you're asking me as a fighter, I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna keep going. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you're in that moment and your adrenaline's going. Yeah, you're not exactly. Yep. You're not I'm in like, the right mindset for sure. And but yeah, I think what I'm gonna start doing, bro, like I I cannot like deep down I I still want to fight at least one more here in Utah to have my farewell fight. Mm. But in the meantime, I just want to just keep my kids busy, bro. And then I want to keep buying more animals. And um, just <laughs> I saw you got a little pig. <laughs> yeah, little peppers out there doing their thing, bro. <laughs> and uh, I got some rabbits right now. I think our, our next one, we're probably going to buy. We want to buy a donkey or a mini, mini, miniature horse. Wow. And um, if we buy a donkey, we're probably going to name him Poncho. <laughs> um, but if not, if we can't get those, uh, a llama for sure is next. Okay. Yeah. And and for those people that are listening that think, you know, Jose just lives like in the city and it's a small backyard. He has a fairly big area of land. So he's not packing all these animals into like a 12 by 12 backyard. I don't want you to get it twisted. <laughs> it wasn't like my dad when my we used to live in Magna. I'm like, damn, dad, what? This is a look. This is a city. We can't be having these animals here, like <laughs> in this uh, neighborhood. But then my dad, uh, he got his acre out here in West Valley, and um, my dad just loves animals. And at that time, I hated, like, I hated being around animals, bro. I, oh, I yeah. didn't like it. Now that I'm older, that's that's what I want, bro. And I, want, I just want to teach my kids that, like, that side of responsibility, like. Taking you know, care of them and yeah, take care of the you know, like uh, yesterday or the other day, we uh, one of our uh, bunnies died. Oh, and no. my, my daughter called me, bro, it was like six in the morning. She's like, Dad, and I was at work. She's like, <clears throat> Daisy passed away. I think that was, I think that was her name. I think that's what she named her. Ugh. And now I'm like, Oh, fuck. So, like, I'm <laughs> hearing my daughter cry, and I'm like, Damn, me! How you're making me choke up? Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to hit you in the throat. You don't want to talk more because you're like, Ugh. yeah. If I start talking, I'm gonna start crying. <laughs> oh man! Well, hopefully you get your um your your mini farm back there, and you can start just charging people and make some extra money that way. Come through a petting zoo or something. <laughs> well, like, so I don't want to get too many because we're gonna move to because uh, that's only a quarter acre, so we're gonna get an acre. Okay. That that's when we're gonna start getting like all the animals. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let me know, man. My son loves animals of all kinds, so I'll I'll pay yeah. for a ticket and we can you know put them in a wagon or something. And like people always <laughs> people always ask, um, why did you get a pig? And I'm like, cause I, I want to be different. I want to get different animals. People always get dogs. I said, fuck, I'm gonna get a pig. Yeah. I hear I pigs are cool. Dogs. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't so, get one living in the city, but I hear pigs are cool. It's similar to dogs, right? As far as oh, the way that they uh, act. 
they're super smart, bro. Um, so Peba won't go potty unless she has a potty pad. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Super cool. And I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, like I've been watching videos of other, uh, people that have, uh, pigs, uh, pot belly pigs as pets. And they said, they said they, they, you know, they, they do circles. They, they lay down like, just like dogs. Wow. But still trying to let, um, trying to teach Peppa to sit, but. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, you just, you just got her. It'll, it'll take some time. Just like anything. I know, but you know I'm like, mean? Peppa, if you don't do this, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to give you that. Of course, like the other day I, t- I told Louie, Louie, go, go feed the chicken some, some corn. And he pours out pretty much the whole thing. And hey, now man, like, Louie is a little you. Like from the videos <laughs> I see, you can't tell me any different. So you should have expected that when you told Louie to go I, out I there know, and I'm feed him. Like, what was I thinking? And I'm like, great, Peppa's going to eat the whole fucking thing. <laughs> oh, I love that, yeah. man. I love that. So, like, yeah, so, 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 so that's, your, that's your plan after now, after boxing, you're just going to start a farm. Yeah, so like... <laughs> we're trying to move in a year bro like so and i'm just trying to like just be in my in, in my kids more like honestly because yeah. i i miss like this is the thing with boxing bro like i i feel like a lot of people don't understand like boxing one of, it's one of one of the loneliest sports in the world oh uh, you're in there alone. Um, yeah yeah because when you're boxing like there's a lot of things you have to sacrifice. Like you, you can't go out, you can't go to weddings, you can't go to like quinceaneras, you can't go to birthday parties because if you're on a diet, temptations there. Like you want to eat these, all these, uh, good. Oh yeah. All the food. Yeah. And, um, and then like, like everybody loves you when you're fighting, but then like when you're not fighting, like, or when you lose, like no one's calling you, but when Mm. you, everybody's calling you you know like people make the time to come see you like but when you're not fighting they don't find time yeah Yeah. that's how you that's how you you have to i mean stuff like that i can relate in a small facet to where when i was djing heavily and doing a lot of things um a lot of events and clubs I had a lot more people reaching out to me than when I wasn't, you know what I mean? And so you, 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 in that uh, sense, you learn to know who you real friends are, right? Like, cause either when you're winning, when, when, when you were winning, when you were out there killing it, I would call you a piece of shit to your face. When you were losing, I still call you a piece of shit to your face. You know what I'm saying, Jose? So yeah, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I I never called you a piece of shit. <laughs> no, no, but I know what you mean, bro. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to uh, we're going to wrap this up, but uh, I did let you know there will be a couple, uh, you know, quick questions, quick hits, if you will. So I'm going to just run through these. You can, you know, give me one word answers if you like, or if you want to explain a little bit, uh, you can feel free to do that too. So the first question that I have here is, uh, what's the last show that you binge watched? Sweet Home on Netflix. Sweet Home, okay. I haven't, yeah, I haven't checked that out. Bro. You'll yeah. like it. I think they're based out of South Korea. Okay, it's like like a zombie monster type movie. It's oh fucking- shit! Okay, yeah. No, no I definitely need to add that to the list. Then I'm all about that. I thought you were like a horror fan, but I guess not. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, we're gonna move on. This isn't a shit talking segment. This is a uh, <laughs> not. Um, okay, where did the nickname uh, Pepito come from? I don't. It just ever since I was a kid. Ever since I was yeah a boy, you know, like my family started calling me Pepito. And then when I started going to school, my cousins would call me Pepito. So my teachers started calling me Pepito. <laughs> so and so just everybody, it just got stuck. So when I went pro as a professional fighter, my fight, my, my boxing name was going to be Jose who cried wolf. You know, the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. That was going to be my boxing name. But Pepito just, I just said, you know what, Damn. fuck, I'm stick with Pepito. And it just, it just it's better uh, you went with Pepito. The boy who cried wolf is way too long to be putting on a shirt. So I know, right? You went with the right, you went with the right name. Uh, okay, next question. You have 24 hours to live. What is your last meal? My wife's enchiladas. That's a damn sure. Ooh, okay. Money. Get, get down on that at some point too. Okay. Ooh, and then this one, I um, <clears throat> this actually just came through uh, while we were talking, so I wanted to get your take on it. So, uh, as a Seattle Seahawks fan. How are you feeling about the trade that just happened? Um, sending Russell Wilson to the Raiders for five first round picks. No way. Yep, are it you... happened. It happened on our call now, just now, like probably twenty five minutes ago. Okay, don't be bullshitting me. <laughs> I'm just playing with you, but you know Russell wants out, and he had talked oh. about it. So I just wanted to throw that out there and uh, fuck with you a little bit. <laughs> we'll move I... on to the. Now nah, he's still there. He's there. You're okay. good. Okay. <laughs> Um, okay. So next question Four boxers that you would put on your Mount Rushmore of boxing. Ooh, I will say, shit, that's a tough one, man. I like Pinot Whitaker. Okay. Um, that's a tough one. I like who says a Chavez senior. Mm -hmm. Uh, I always love De La Hoya. Damn. Okay, you got one more. Ah, that's a tough one. It ain't going to be Floyd. That's damn sure. <laughs> I didn't expect it. No. <laughs> oh, man, that's a tough one, man. Like, I will have to do half face of Muhammad, Muhammad Ali and half face of Mike Tyson. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I like that. We, we'll, we'll, you know what? We'll just add both of them up there. You, you I think all you right. have to have Ali and Tyson. So we'll have five. We're good with that. All right, all right. Um, even though you didn't show love to my guy, Miguel Cotto, it's fine. Uh, let's move no, on. I was going to say Miguel Cotto, but I don't think. I mean, those boxers that you named, you probably can't name Cotto over them. So I get it. It's all good. <clears throat> I love, no, I love Cotto. Only wrong. Cotto's one actually one of my favorite fighters. Yeah. If yes. I, if it, I mean, I will probably remove the because I, I was I always loved De La Hoya, but if anything, I will probably remove De La Hoya and put Cotto up there. But I just feel like Cotto, he's not like like a vet, like not a veteran, but like I feel like the fighters that I named first, they were in the game longer first, right? Like, and and those names are 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 more well known to casual or even boxing right. fans are people that don't really watch boxing. They'll know those names. So <clears throat> at least, uh, De La Hoya, Ali and, and, uh, Tyson for sure. And Chavez. Um, okay. Next question is you can pick five artists or groups. They can be dead or alive for your dream concert. What five acts are you picking? 
Yeah, I love music, bro. Um, I'll probably have to say the Gap Band. Ooh, okay. I love that. Zab and Roger, for Ooh. sure. What you know about that young pup? Oh, get out of here. You don't even. Okay. Keep, <laughs> keep talking, son. <laughs> uh, probably a queen. You say queen? Yes. Okay, perfect. Um, And I'm going to go with some, some, uh, some Mexican groups, Latino groups. Uh, Grupo Bronco. Okay. And I'm about to go with Los Bukis. That the 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 concert itself is a party. Everyone's drinking and it's just a good time. I, and, and you're dancing the whole time. I can see it now. So that those are solid, very solid picks. Um <clears throat> all right, I have two more here. So uh, the next one is uh, in the movie that will be made about your life story. Who would you want to play Jose Pepito Haro? Damn. I know I, it's a hard one. <laughs> like if you were to ask me who's going to play me, I would say Dwayne the rock Johnson as an older version of myself, but go ahead. You can walk me through. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, shit, bro. Damn. Uh, I'm going to pass on this, bro. I don't I, Okay, that's fine. Maybe you could just have uh maybe you could just have your uh your youngest boy play you, you know, when on the time I was right. going to say probably one of my boys, probably Louie. Yeah. Okay. No, that's good. That's good. Okay. The last question that I have here and after this we're going to wrap it up. <clears throat> um is there any way for our audience um, that you could make the sound you made when I caught that winning touchdown over you in the 2012 Turkey Bowl. And I don't know if you remember quite, you know, you probably tried to get it out of your head, but to me, it sounded like what uh, it would sound like if two goats were mating. C- could you go ahead and do that sound again for the audience and, and let them hear what it was like to not defend me on that touchdown? First of all, <laughs> the was in my fucking face. <laughs> And you push off. And what about want to talk about the day that Robert Dirty Rob threw that two yard bullet at your face? Hey, we're not dragging his name into this for almost breaking my nose. We're good. And that, bro, I think that was the, the last time I seen you in the football field. Ah, uh, get out of here! On the field. <laughs> no. I have come back many a time to to uh, bless you. And uh, once COVID's over with, I'll be back. So don't even worry about that. But um, man, this has been a lot of fun, Jose. I learned some things I didn't know about you. Um, I I generally, whenever I I have somebody, a guest on the podcast, I let them, you know, plug or talk about anything um, that they want to promote. If there's anything that you have going on, um, feel free to do that now. Um, no, all I gotta say is for, for, um, I just want to tell people, nobody gives a fuck about you but you. So if you want to achieve your goals, you got to go do it yourself. Don't rely on people. Yep, exactly. You got to be your biggest fan and and um, your biggest motivator, too. Because sometimes, you know, like you said, if you're losing, sometimes people don't give a shit. So maybe your family, yep. right? Your family will always care. But. I'm like... Well, like when I mean like nobody like cares about you, but you, the only ones that are gonna really gonna care, and, and you know, 
be with you. It's, you know, your, your wife and your kids. Yeah. And your parents will be there, but they're not going to be able to achieve what you want to achieve if you don't do it yourself. Yep. You got to do the work. Yep. So. Do the work. Got to grind that shit out. All right, my brother. Well, I, I, I really appreciate you coming on. This was a, a fun conversation. Um, if you guys want to see, he, he has a number of fights on YouTube. You can look them up once, once again, Jose Pepito Haro, the pride of Magna, if you will, the pride of Yakima, if you will. But um, once again, bro, thank you very much. And I appreciate your time. Hey, thanks, bro. I love you, bro. It was good talking to you. And um, that was a push off. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> all right you have gut oh man okay all right i mean there's a size difference you know what i mean i'm uh, it, we're not going to get into it here but i love you too bro thank you very much and uh, we'll talk to you soon all right brother have a good one you too peace all right let's give away some roses uh this week's roses go to the houston rockets point guard john wall so before the season started, he was traded from the Wizards to the Rockets, but uh, this isn't about how well he handled that move or anything like that. These roses are for him giving back to the community, um, and not just recently, but throughout his career. So do me a favor real quick. Uh, go to Google, type in John Wall donations, and just look at what comes up. Um, this is a player who has really given back to the community multiple times throughout his career. I wanted to drop a few quick examples. Uh, 2015, he donated $400,000 to a local charity in Washington, D.C. Uh, that serves the families of homeless children in the area. Um, last year, Wall was very active with his John Wall Family Foundation. He uh, donated 2,395 masks to aid the efforts um, in fighting COVID-19. Uh, he also partnered with Chick-fil-A to provide over 600 meals for frontline workers and first responders at each location. Also last year, he and his foundation started a relief program uh, to help less fortunate people in the Washington, D.C. area affected by COVID-19. Um, help them pay their rent for a couple of months. The char uh, charity raised a total of $550,000 um, and put all of that towards those families' rent relief. Um, and most recently, with everything that has happened to the people of Texas, with that winter storm coming through, losing power, everything being frozen, uh, he donated over 700 meals in his uh, new home of Houston to assist with weather relief to families that were, you know, essentially seeking refuge at a gallery furniture. So really amazing. You always hope that um, players who are, you know, more well off than the average person would give back to the communities. But uh, honestly, they don't have to, but it's really amazing when they do. So shout out to John Wall. Uh, these roses are for you. And I hope you continue to do the great work that you're doing in the community and wish you nothing but the best throughout the rest of your NBA career. All right, guys, we are going to head out now. As usual, please, please, please. I'm begging. No, I'm just kidding. But if you are a fan of the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Music. And I would love it if you would rate and review. Um, that's something that helps me get these sponsors like Hepius. So, uh, and it just honestly lets me know that you guys like the show. And, you know, that's roses from you to me. If you want to do that, if not, that's cool. 
follow the uh, the podcast on Instagram at the Will Wonder Pod. Follow me on Twitter at DJ Will Wonder, and we will see y'all next week. Peace.